Welcome to a guest in the house podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mickey Hess. I am your other co-host, David Tromdig Shanks. Welcome. Welcome. So we've been starting off a lot of these episodes with tributes to the fallen. Yes. And this one's no different, although we are going to take this <laughs> a very hopeful and optimistic direction because this is what this guy was all about. Okay, yeah, let's not stay there. Let's not stay there. Yeah. Um, so I lost a, a former student of mine recently. His name was Eugene Marsh. Man. Um, he died of COVID at 71 years old. Oh, man. Um, that, yeah, was the, this... that was the distinguished um, um, older gentleman that would be in your classes. He had the, um, he would wear like his little blazer. That's um, right. I remember him being in the, um, I believe the Prince Paul. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I came to that one. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember he stood out because um, of the questions he was asking and because he was like 60-something years old. And, um, oh, yeah. As <laughs> a, a freshman class. back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Um, beautiful. Yeah, he, he came to Ryder where I teach um, as a 63-year-old freshman. Wow. And he took my hip hop and American culture course. So he was a 63 year old black man just coming to college as a freshman, taking a course on hip hop and American culture from like it. a 30, late 30 something white guy. I love it. Um, and he said he took the class because he'd always tried to steer his kids away from hip hop. Right, right. You know, and he thought that it really just depicted a lot of the same negative stereotypes about black folks that he dealt with his whole life. Right. Right. But he took it with a genuine open mind and a genuine curiosity. And for years after he took that class, he would make sure to be there anytime we had a guest speaker. Yeah. He came to see Prince Paul speak. I think that was a year after Eugene took my course. Wow. Um, he saw Kay Blunt speak on campus. Okay. Um, he was always there, always very active. And after he finished his bachelor's degree at Ryder, he went back and got a master's degree. Beautiful. And after he finished his master's degree at Ryder, he went into a PhD program. No, he did not. He did. He was just about finished with his doctorate in educational leadership when he passed away. Oh, that's remarkable, man. Yeah. That is remarkable and inspiring. And this was a guy who was one of the first black students to attend his high school in South Carolina. Wow. Imagine. He told me he had a cross burned on his lawn. Wow. Um, and just to think about what a remarkable life this guy had and was he a veteran? He was a veteran. I assumed. Yeah. He's a decorated Vietnam veteran. I assumed. Yeah. Yeah. Decorated Vietnam veteran. He had owned a construction business for years before he he came back to Ryder after he retired, you know, sold off his construction company or moved on from that. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine having your you know entire career working hard, 
mm-hmm. going through it all, retiring, and then saying, you know what, I'm going to go get my degree. Absolutely. Not only am I going to go get my degree, but I'm going to go all the way up. I'm going to go all the way. And to just approach it all with such an open mind and such humility. Yeah. You know, him sitting at 63 in a class full of mostly 18 and 19 year olds. Yeah. He never spoke about anything as if to say, you know, I, I've been out there in the real world. I've been in the, I've been in a war, you know, yeah. I've jumped out of airplanes. Um, yeah. I ran a business, you know, with everything he'd seen, he never spoke to anyone as if he were coming from a place higher than they were. Okay. Now tell me if I'm wrong yeah. in, in recollection. Um, what was the brother? He's in, um, he's a short story writer. Mm. Um, he, he was a guest in your class. Rian Emilcar Scott. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Was he, was, was Eugene not in that? Eugene did come to that one. And, yeah. Cause yeah. I remember distinctively having a con. Well, I participated in the conversation, but he was having a conversation with mm. the brother about the N word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You remember that? Right. I do. Definitely. I do. I do. I do. I yeah, do. I mean, coming to college after retirement, you're, you're coming because you want to be there. So right. I, I can't he, remember too many events over the years that he didn't show up at. And 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 that's what that's what impressed me about him because he mm-hmm. he obviously had a stance, and we knew why he had that stance. Um, mm-hmm. you know, coming from the generation he came from, but it, his question and his engagement was more like, "I want to understand why you guys." <laughs> Mm-hmm. use this word like I'm like help me understand like why oh, y'all yeah. think you know what I mean it wasn't like that chastising thing that some of the older guys get accused of doing it was really like mm-hmm. he was there to um to understand and that's super cool that you know what I mean he would he would still come into these guest lectures and just you know learn Absolutely, learn man. learn learn really really a testament to you know learning never ends just absolutely open-minded, curious, always had his take, as you said, but never yeah. wanted to shut anybody else down and cram it down their throat. No. I mean, I remember I remember showing that Tyler, the creator video, Yonkers. Uh, this like has been one. when it came out back in 2015 <laughs> when yeah. Eugene was in my hip-hop class. And if you remember that video, Tyler is constructing a noose throughout the video, and uh, the video ends with him dangling. Right. Right. Now, obviously, as a guy who faced real racial terrorism as the first black student at his high school, he wasn't a big fan of that video. Right. Um, But he was absolutely willing to listen and interested to hear what a lot of the 18 year olds and 19 year olds in the class thought about it and why they would gravitate toward that imagery and you know, what they thought the history of that imagery was and what the hell Tyler was trying to do by bringing that back in this music video. Right, right, right. Funny because we, um, previous episode mm. spoke about the um, quickening of, you know, between generations, how fast things, you know, we were talking about hip hop, but, you know, when, we, when you think about what um, a 63-year-old, 65-year-old, mm-hmm. Um, African-American has endured and how like disconnected, you know, our 18 year olds are from that, you know, what was just 40 
years ago, <laughs> 50, 50 years ago and how they're so like, oh, this is, you know what I mean? You know, that plays to the whole get over slavery oh, sure, conversation yeah. too. But it's just like, that was so long ago. And it's like, no, it wasn't. No, this dude's sitting two aisles <laughs> away from me, right? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like the guy, right. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. still here. You know what I mean? Right like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting how we, our, our concept of time and like who taught us this concept of time where five years ago is old school. Mm-hmm. And just, and you know, want to benefit to his classmates, to the yeah. 18, 19, 20 year olds to who have been in the room with him as we had these discussions, somebody, yeah. you know, who had seen so much, had been through so much. You know, that, that's a perspective you just really can't get out of a book. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Oh, man, salute. Absolutely. I mean, it, it hit me hard when I, I first heard, especially that he died of COVID, because yeah. again, you know, man, it's, you just feel like this guy never gave up mm-hmm. just a, as much as this country failed him again and again and again from the moment he wanted to go to high school and people didn't like him being there. Mm-hmm. Tried to scare him out of it, threatened mm-hmm. his family. Mm-hmm. Um, to the reaction he got coming back from Vietnam, he couldn't find a job. You know, of course, he was still as many as most of them couldn't. <laughs> absolutely, man. Yeah. And then, yeah, for COVID to take him out, man, at yeah, seventy-one, it feels, it feels very unnecessary, man. Absolutely, <laughs> feels very unnecessary. So, as I said, though, man, he—if there's any lesson to be learned from. From what he did with his life, especially in the years that I knew him, mm-hmm. uh, past seven or eight years or so, man, he he didn't let anything get in his way. Um, you don't see a lot of people embark upon a PhD program in their late sixties. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Usually, people are going and, and in because they they want to make money from it. Not, not start after starting undergrad at sixty. Something, no. you know what I mean? Maybe someone might be like, you know, I'm going to go get my doctorate. And they may have yeah. graduated 20, 40 <laughs> years ago, but just mm-hmm. I'm going to go all the way through. Yeah. From bachelor's, master's, and then doctorate at that age. That's that's remarkable. That's Definitely. amazing, man. That's and, amazing. You know, at the same time, he, he was fri- finding a brain tumor that he thought probably came from the Agent Orange because he was in Vietnam the, during Yikes. the times that they would have been using that. Yeah. So, Yikes. I mean, the. The poor guy, you feel like this country just never looked out for him one day in his life, but yeah. you know, he yeah. never gave up, never quit. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Yeah. So what shout out to Eugene Marsh. You know, one of, I've been teaching 25 years almost at this point. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a student I'll never forget. He's definitely someone I'm really glad that I met and got to work with. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. That's the, you know, I'm sure that, I mean, you know, as a teacher, as an educator, I'm sure like, you know, those, those are the moments that reinforce like why you chose to do what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, well, segue from, um, the great brother Eugene and just we talk about America and all he's endured. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a statement um, of, of of that mistreatment, a statement of um, just the uh, degradation that um, segments of us have faced 
in this um, country. We have uh, a changing in the name of Aunt Jemima, a staple mm-hmm. in American households since, I don't know, since, since yeah. 18, 1890, I believe, 1889. Mm. And talking about that, that short sense of history that we brought up a couple of times, you know, I find that my students... They don't remember Aunt Jemima without the perm and the earring. They don't remember Aunt Jemima on the pancake the box original with the do-rag. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Wow. They did give her a perm. Mm-hmm. As, <laughs> as Big Daddy Kane pointed out even, on Burn Hollywood. A, yeah, even if now she got a perm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the story of Aunt Jemima as... <laughs> an icon on a box an icon of, of servitude mix an icon of servitude <laughs> i like that phrase right yep oh because i mean what else is the appeal the marketing appeal of putting this woman's face on a box of instant pancake mix yep but to call your mind back as a white housewife that they were trying to sell it to when they first put out the product to days when you didn't have to make your own pancakes. The good old days. Right. And Mammy would make it from scratch. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now with this instant pancake mix, it's like she's right in it's the box. It's like she's right in the box. <laughs> yeah. Right in the kitchen with you. Ooh. Oh, Mammy. Not to mention, you know, Aunt Jemima was the name of a character that showed up again and again and again in minstrel shows, mm. um, synonymous with the Mammy character, which was basically yep. a house slave who yep. would be cook, um, nurse, um, nanny for the children. Um, what the- I did not know that is that an actual former slave, I think her name is credited as Nancy Green, Nancy was, the, Green. was the first face of the pancake. So it was an actual. It was an actual former slave who posed yeah. as Aunt Jemima on that original cereal or a pancake mix box. Yes. Yes. And I think it's um good to know. I always love when I hear it on um, like NPR and those other stations, they do this like, um, it's, we want to note that, uh, Pepsi Co. Inc. Pepsi uh-huh. um, is the owner of Quaker Oats, which is the owner of the um, formerly known as Aunt Jemima brand. And Pepsi Cola has nothing to do with our podcast, does not <laughs> fund us, <laughs> does not do anything. Sure. You know, usually it's, sure. we talk a bunch of shit and then we go, wait a minute, the Bill Gates Foundation <laughs> is a... <laughs> Yeah, we're not beholden to anybody. We don't have any funding. We don't have any sponsors. Trust me, we don't have any funding. (laughs) Our funding is um, our benevolent producer. (laughs) So we're free to speak our minds. Exactly. (laughs) So that story you brought up of Nancy Green, who was the face of Aunt Jemima on those early boxes, and, you know, still an incarnation of her face, even with the perm and the earring instead of the do-rag, that was still some visage of the original Nancy Green, the person, the human being. Yeah. So this was back in June, I believe, when Donald Trump was doing an Arizona rally. Someone from Turning Point 
which is an organization that often spoke at those Trump rallies, mm-hmm. was railing against cancel culture on stage and brought up the case of Aunt Jemima. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is when the company had decided it was going to change, change its name, name. change yeah. its logo. Yeah. And, and it has changed its name to the Pearl Milling Company. The Whoa. Pearl Milling Company. Yeah. Which still brings to mind like a past era. Oh, when, yeah. yeah. And it's like an old, it has like an old milling. The logo's now like an old like mill. You know what I mean? It's like who worked there? Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently not Aunt Jemima. <laughs> they have disappeared her off the box. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to sell them. I think they're selling them out. Until June, and then, yeah. And that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. So Reagan Escude, who's a Turning Point member, Turning Point USA ambassador, okay, stated okay. during that Trump rally, Nancy Green, the original first Aunt Jemima, she was the picture of the American dream. Oh, yeah. She was a freed slave who went to be the face of the pancake syrup that we love and we have in our pantries today. Mm-hmm. She fought for equality. And mm. now the leftist mob is trying to erase her legacy. Mm. Mm. And that strikes me as a, a very problematic take. On I Nancy never, Green. I've never looked at a box of um, on Jemima pancakes and thought that, you know, the story behind this is that this lady fought for equality. <laughs> right. I'm just, I never heard of that. It's very incongruous. God bless right? her. She did. I just didn't know. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we didn't know that she was Nancy Green and that she was an actual person. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But I, I didn't know the story of Aunt Jemima was that was the story of the American dream. The American dream, right? I, I thought you were going to say the American dream as if if you work hard and um, become successful, you could have a black mammy in your house making pancakes. That's what I thought. That's the dream I thought you were talking about. That sounds like a much more American dream. (laughs) Right? Mm. So there's this turning point version from the speaker of the American dream. It's tough to buy into. I mean, I, if the argument is that a former slave made it so big, that she could play a slave on a box of pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky argument, I think. Yeah. Not to mention that that Nancy Green died penniless. Wow. Didn't even have a gravestone or a grave marker until September of 2020, just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when there was some kind of online push to fund a grave marker for her. And this was in Bronzeville in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't sound much like the American dream, right? To die penniless in a pauper's grave, no grave marker. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, and it's funny because, you know, outside of, um, Aunt Jemima, I guess, Probably the most famous mammy would be um, the one portrayed by um, Miss Hattie McDaniel, mm-hmm. who won an Academy Award, right, for Best Supporting Actress for that role. And Gone with the Wind, yeah. With the Wind. Um, who also, like, wasn't able to attend 
the premiere of the, her own movie, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what, and so that's an achievement, right? The first sure. African-American to win an Oscar. Like, that was an achievement that um, we should, I guess, celebrate as an advancement in American history. But we know, you know, we know how she was treated. Uh-huh. <laughs> we know that it wasn't enough. You know, and so to um, to say that being on the box uh-huh. of, it's not like she was getting royalties. Now, if she was getting royalties and her family saw <laughs> her percentage for her likeness being used as the face of this pancake that I'm sure has grossed, you know, what do they call them? Deca, deca millions, <laughs> hundreds of millions. Sure. Um, then cool. But no, come here, take this picture. Boom. We used it. Uh-huh. So like, what do we, what do you know? Uh, it's disgusting. Disgusting. And Hattie McDaniel played a maid in 74 different roles. Yeah. That was basically about all she played. Talk about being typecast. Mm-hmm. And there's that famous quote from Hattie McDaniel where she said that she'd rather play a maid than be one. <laughs> well, you know. You know. Yeah. There's that. There's that. I mean, if those are your options, right? Yeah. Those are your options. No, I'll 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 play it. Sure. Better to do it on screen, better to do it on a box. Yeah. Rather than an in reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have to accept your honor in a segregated no blacks um hotel, you know? Yeah. Man. Yeah. If you think about the trajectory of that over time and, and the response to what was going on at a certain social moment. Mm-hmm. So Aunt Jemima on the box looked very much like Aunt Jemima and the minstrel show. Um, she had the do-rag on her head, for example, all the way up to the 90s when they changed it to the perm and the earring. Mm-hmm. So that first move is kind of like, well, you know, times are changing I'm this Quaker Oats executive. Um, maybe it's time we let go of that do rag, right? Right. Let's um, let's modernize her a bit. You know, what if she right. were just you know like just your everyday black woman everyone's here in odd. 1994? Yeah, yeah just, everyone's odd, right? Yeah. We're not necessarily saying that she's a servant. Mm. So they get rid of the the do rag, which was kind of part and parcel of the look for the minstrel show stage. And they modernized her, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, kids first encountering that product, they don't know that it used to look different. Yeah. And then flash forward a couple decades, and now she's gone altogether. <laughs> so they erased the do-rag, and then they took the person off and changed the name. Yeah. And then so so what is it? We're left to remember this. I mean, it, would it be better if Quaker Oats put a little box on the back somewhere that said, you know, this used to be called Aunt Jemima, and here's sort of how that went. 
Yeah. Well, you, know, you know, you know how I feel about the um, permanent eraser that is being um, used to kind of, you know, <clears throat> remove mm. certain things that were staples of what this sure. country stood for, and how you know I am not one of those really in favor of any of that. I don't. I do not want to get us to a space where we do not remember sure you know what i mean and 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 we're i mean we're damn near there with the evidence in front of us every day the evidence exists and we're pretending it never happened so i can only imagine 25 30 40 years from now when there's no evidence Mm -hmm. and we're all gone you know (laughs) so it just becomes this like oh no that was never america Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and like I, I, and I said, it, Pepsi Corporation, just because it's Pepsi, like, you know, this is Pepsi. Mm-hmm. This is one of the biggest, you know what I mean? And, and you know, they let this, they let this ride for over 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talk about, and we've spoken about uh retribution or or um restoration and you know what what's kind of fair like what is what what makes the uh the abused whole and what we're seeing a lot of it's funny because um, <laughs> we were having a, we were supposed to have a conversation about um, opt- optimism, right? Mm. <laughs> and, and here so, we are. Here I go. But what? Again, like. All right, all right, all right. We'll just change the name. We'll erase the name. We'll we'll, we'll put a new name there, and mm. and we'll just keep going. And still make money because it's still the same pancake mix. No skin off our back, really. And it's like, is that equal Mm. to a hundred years plus of this image? You know, like, is there a scholarship fund? Like what? You know what I mean? And like what? uh, You mentioned this. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna expound on 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 this because you spoke about this corporate kind of response to uh, Black Lives Matter and to protests, and we spoke about you know the steps. You know, we're taking steps to to right to right the wrongs, and you know what I mean. And and who who dictates? Like, you know, who's outraged? So, you know, who's outraged about the um, Aunt Jemima box? And who rallied to get that done? Mm -hmm. And when that was being negotiated, who okayed, yo, we'll just change it to Pearl Mill and Company, and was like, that'll suffice. (laughs) like Dusting their hands off, walking away. Yeah, like, who gets to... If we're having these conversations, 
you know, I I don't know. Maybe I need to find a way to get myself in these rooms. This is like <laughs> I want an Aunt Jemima museum. Damn it. Well, get this the <laughs> the Bronzeville Historical Society that that finally got the marker for her grave fought for eight years. Wow! To get that headstone, right. it was an eight year campaign. And Sherry Williams, the president of that Bronzeville Historical Society, liked the idea of changing the name of Aunt Jemima Pancakes to Nancy Green's Pancakes. Mm. Mm. See, that sounds like. That sounds, that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's, 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 yeah, let's humanize that. And it while sounds we're like at a, it, a start. While we're at it, either find her family or create an endowment mm. and proceeds of, you know, that go yeah. there. Come sure. on, man. We're mm. just going to change the name. What the hell does that do? Yeah, I mean, create a scholarship for for young black women who want to attend culinary school, something. And that's specifically because Nancy Green was a cook and was known to be a very good cook before she was recruited to play the this role for the pancake box. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, find some way to honor her legacy. If you can't, if you can't find her family, if maybe she has no family left, um, find some way to honor who she was and, you know support people who would like to follow in her footsteps to some extent. Yep. Yep. Do something that actually matters. Yeah. Do something that actually matters. Um, you know, it, and there's so much of that happening mm. right now. So much of this, like, well, I'll do this thing and that'll make it okay. Mm. And it, it's something that we decided in our little corporate board meeting that we're going to do and this will get it this this will this will leave a mark we'll be able to market this and say look we care look mm-hmm. what we did and it's like you're not bringing any are you you know what I mean are you really bringing in and then on the flip side some of the protesting some of the outrage is coming from folks who don't really have that much skin in the game either you know what I mean so you have this like you need to do this. And it's like, well, we'll do that. And it's like, okay, cool. And it's like, wait a minute. None of you people were harmed by any of this. <laughs> why, why is this conversation happening? And no one who's actually been harmed gets to weigh in on what would make them whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so, you know, that's really the frustrating part of all of this, like, you know, you know, woke culture. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and cancel culture being married into woke culture. And you know what I mean? And what's what, you know, what garners outrage and then what should be done about the thing when it's, you know what I mean? It's outrageous. Like, I think you guys need to do X, Y, Z. And it's like that. That's funny. I was watching. um, This is random, but I was watching like a clip of um, what's the girl's name? She's an actress. um, Kiki Palmer. Mm hmm. Um, she was in Akila in the B. I think she was like hosting like a Good Morning America thing um, last time I seen it. Anyway, but Kiki Palmer, um, she was at a protest and um, they brought the military out. I think was, I guess they had the National Guard out there and she's talking to the um, National Guardsman. And she's like, 
they're like, hey, we need to, um, they're trying to get them to march with them. She's trying to get the national, she's like, well, march with mm, us. Okay, if you're here yeah. to protect us, yeah. then march with us. He, he's like, I can't do that. I got to stand my post, mm. you know, um, but I feel you and I understand your pain. And then she's like, well, if you understand our pain, then just walk around the block with us. That would show that you're with the people. You know, she's making the point and they're going back and forth. And then someone like, you know, I guess the group of protesters she's with, one of them rolls up. Can you take a knee? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll take a knee. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so everybody's like, take a knee. And you can hear Kiki Palmer on the on, on camera saying like, oh, that ain't enough for me. Mm. You know, and it's funny because in that, you know, in that moment, it's like, you hear this black woman like, yeah, that's not enough for me. And, you know, the rest of the crowd is like, oh, that'll mean so much if you just took a knee with us. And it's like, no, it won't. Uh, yeah. That's why he was, that's why he, that's why, if he was that willing to do it, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then even the juxtaposition of that, the military guy saying, I'm willing to take a knee, but I can't leave my post. When the whole taking a knee thing is supposed to be a slap in the face to the military. Exactly, right? Because that was the origin of that gesture, right? Correct. Kneeling for a fallen comrade, right? Right. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of when, you know, a, a white coach kneels with his basketball team. Mm-hmm. Which has happened a couple of times, you know, not too long ago, uh, University of Kentucky coach John Calipari mm -hmm. joined his entire roster kneeling for the anthem. But then mm -hmm. very shortly afterwards, you know, we had like small town sheriffs in Kentucky going on Instagram, like burning their UK jerseys. And things. <laughs> and very quickly afterward, Calipari issued some statement to the effect of, well, you know, we did it. I think it's time to move on. We don't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> just one quick kneel. Mm -hmm. As much attention as it got, he felt like, well, you know, problem solved. We, we've done our part. What more could we do? And I don't want to upset anybody. Yeah, now that I don't need to upset mm -hmm. because I took a knee. Yeah, which kind of shows you how bad things have gotten when something as simple as taking a knee is seen as so brave and courageous. Exactly. Um, when obviously, you know, if you're the coach. You're not putting that much on the line. What are you putting on the line? Yeah. What do you make? $12 million a year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sort of across the board. Fine. They're the highest paid employees at any university, right? A billion dollar nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that just carts young, primarily black inner city mm. <laughs> males in and out of these universities, you know, they give them what they, what, they give them a free education. That's what mm. they say. And they use their likeness and their um, athletic exploits, their bodies sure. <laughs> to run this billion dollar conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, You think that it's too much to take a knee with them when they feel pain about what's happening in their neighborhoods. Or that it can be one and done, right? Well, you know, yes. I, I showed Those solidarity with you. Nobody, you know, yeah, well, yeah, well, I thought you meant one and done as in um, 
you know how they they take they do one year in school and then leave especially, and then NBA, <laughs> at, yeah, especially yeah. at kentucky because <laughs> calipari is actually like the king of one and done that's like, his the strategy kids, yeah so come. he tried to apply that strategy to kneeling i guess, I guess we'll do it I once we'll, we'll make a good once. show and uh then we've kind of done what we needed to do we put yeah. in our one and so it it i'm i, I would i would I'm curious to know, maybe this is something we should research. The origins of symbolism as like progress. And when did it become okay to just cart these gestures out here and just say, hey, look, we made a gesture. We're all good now. We're whole. And you know what I mean? And and, and who... You know, I don't know. Maybe this, this, like, who was the first group of black people who were okay with the thing <laughs> that was done to then make it like all you have to do is do this thing and they'll be they'll be cool. Like what? Like why? You know what I mean? And like who was there? Like this is some bullshit, man. Like don't fall for this. Like who was there then that was like? You, hey, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna do this thing and it's gonna be the symbol of of this and somebody somebody had to have been there like this is some bullshit I'm not like this don't mean nothing I, I don't know man because it's like there's it's just so quick to just do something and like you said we're gonna come out here but you know the argument I was having with the whole NBA bubble thing. And it's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to paint Black Lives Matter on the court. And we're all going to kneel now. And that'll show them. Yeah. And you know, at the same time, I hate to, to cut on this symbolism so harshly because I think, you know, that's such a strategy from opponents of these kind of gestures and these kind of symbols to, to mock it, to make it seem so worthless, uh, to make it seem so minuscule. So, I mean, I think there is some power in it, but you certainly can't stop there. Right. I, I, well, you know, you're now we're back to intention. Mm. Is the intention to do something so that we don't have to do anything? Or is the intention really like, let's do something? Sure. We is renamed a, the pancakes. Start, right? Or is it a cop-out? And then understand what yeah. I'm saying? Like I do. And I so do. I I I get it. I get it. And mm-hmm. I get, you know, again, 20-something-year-old kids who've hooped their whole lives, I don't expect them to come up with the means of ending police brutality or racism or you know what I mean so mm. all they can do is hoop and you know I mean use their platform and, that, and that's how they chose to use their platform I salute it mm. I, I, I'm not mad at the NBA players and I don't expect for them to have some sophisticated means of you know combating this thing mm. you know I could say I would I wish that and that's where the generational thing comes in and that's where um just the, the the solidarity in the community comes in because you would think that if they were, you know, all of these um, uh, Michael Eric Dyson and, and 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 Cornell West types 
who, you know, have written books upon books upon books about this stuff, that they would be advising the NBA Players Association, you know, on what to negotiate, what to ask for, so that we don't get stadiums being used as polling places and a sign on a court. So it is, in some sense, progress to to get rid of the Aunt Jemima name. It's what comes next that makes a big difference. Uh, same with the Cleveland Indians logo, right, and the Cleveland Indians name. And it's, but, did you have did you have any intention to for there to be a next? Just like you exactly, said, Calipari, you Calipari kneeled once and said, mm-hmm. "That's the that's the symbol. That's yeah. Look, I'm in solidarity. I yeah. kneeled with my guys. I don't need to do anything else." Yeah. You know, and so we just got to like, get back to basketball. Yeah. I, yeah. And now we're going to get back to pancakes. We're going to all right, Cool. You're right. Cool. Mm. Look, look here. Look, we did it. Yeah. Let's sell. Let, let's continue selling pancakes. Yeah. And we were, and we were <laughs> proactive. You know nope. what I mean? There was no boycott oh. on Aunt Jemima. Oh yeah. We got happened. out in front of it, man. We saw yeah. the way the social winds were blowing and we said, mm-hmm. you know what? It's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we said we were going to be hopeful and optimistic today, but this isn't sounding all that optimistic. Well, you know what? I think it's optimistic in that, you know, those of us who, you know, continue to speak truth to power and call bullshit on bullshit, um, I think that it will force certain you know, things to have to be discussed and hopefully be um, changed. But, you know, we not, it's not going to change like this. <laughs> yeah, You're not going to symbol us out of, you know, bigotry and racism and all, all the other isms. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I know I wasn't the only professor who is pointing at something like the Aunt Jemima box to say, you know, you may see these vestiges of a past era every day mm-hmm. and not really know the history or know what's behind this. Mm-hmm. Is Uncle Ben's next? We going to get him out of there? <laughs> if I'm right, I think that's in the works. <laughs> I think that change is in the works. They took the the Land of Lakes icon. They took the, the lady off of it or the... Wow. Uh, the Native yeah, American yeah. woman. I think that yeah. the uh, I think Uncle Ben's is in the work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep, it's being <laughs> changed too. So, I mean, if you enter like a lot of restaurants, like Cracker Barrel, is bad to do this, or you know, I've even seen some diners around South Jersey that will put up like these old food advertisements and restaurant advertisements. And racism was advertising back then. I mean, mm-hmm. with Aunt Jemima, we're not just talking about the picture. I mean, if you look up some of the old ads it's all written Mm -hmm. in like this this kind of mocking black dialect it's very grammatically incorrect (laughs) oh i bet and these constructions that you know black linguists have looked at that these ads and said no people ever spoke that way you know this is fixing we's fixing to make some pancakes (laughs) that's it that's it that was how black americans spoke in the mind of like white copywriters white businessmen right yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> there's just so much there under the surface 
There's a scene, I don't want to ruin it. Have you seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet? Oh, you know, my friend Steve was telling me I've got to watch it. So yeah, I yeah. haven't so watched I won't, it. I won't, I won't ruin it for you. But there's a scene okay. in there that's, 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 when you see it, you'll go, ah, yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, it's, 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 so yeah, okay. it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, you know, and we talked about, I think before, you know, who maybe in the Steve um, episode, we talked about, you know, who is this for? Mm, exactly. You know, and so it's like these depictions of um, African-Americans, you know, and it's like they think we speak like that. Mm. You know, it's like, so we're using black, likeness black images to sell product to i mean everybody because it's not just white people but to everybody in mass but our focus is we're speaking to those we're speaking to our people we're speaking to the same we're speaking to you know just mass america like just and this is how we interpret you negroes to speak and so this is what we're going to do. And now you look up and we talk about the browning of the country. And it's like, well, you're not, that's not the main person to speak to anymore. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of optics on that end too. You know, universities mm -hmm. trying to convince prospective students that, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. We're all about over here. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. it's sad that it's really more marketing. Yeah. You know, it's more about like seeing yourself in this place, seeing that, you know, not only do people who look like you attend this university, but we really foreground them and focus on their experiences and make sure they're included. Like that's the new term inclusion, right? It's yeah. not just about increasing diversity. Um, it's about inclusion. Yeah. yeah. But. You know, in a lot of cases, I think it's going to be a short-lived initiative, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, I would like to say their hearts are in the right place when we go back to that notion of intent, but I don't and trust we, it. And when we speak diversity, mm. are we speaking just skin color? Mm. Because, you know, there's a difference between like we're going to hire diverse um, perspectives, diverse mm. cultures, diverse um, viewpoints, di sure. you know, diverse worldviews. And we want to create, you know, especially in these institutions of higher learning, like we want to bring in, you know, all of these different perspectives to mold the minds of these 18 to 21 year olds, right? Sure. And that can't automatically be done just by hiring a black professor. No. There's no guarantee that just because you hired a black professor that you're getting a diverse viewpoint. And you know what I mean? And I think sure. again, in the rush to just shut people up, it's like, oh, well, little. I got a resume. The last name's Alvarez. Hire her. Mm. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I, 
I've heard from a couple different professors I know around the country that, you know, their department was insistent that what they've got to hire is a specialist in early British literature, but they mm. also want a black professor if possible. Mm. Um, it's trying to ram the same curriculum, you know, via a different vessel, I guess would be the way to call it. And, and yeah. sometimes the two impulses for the hire just don't match up. Yeah. You know, it may be that they're trying to hire for an area that for plenty of good reasons, young black scholars just aren't particularly focused on. Right. 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 And I think, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's something, you know, the conversations that need to be had, I don't know that they're still being had. Maybe they're beginning and maybe, you know, patience. So, so if we're talking about optimism, maybe patience. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, and, and my fear is that the folks who my community um chooses or forced upon whichever however you look at it but mm. the folks who are here to quote unquote speak for on behalf of our community mm. they're not asking the right questions they're not making the right demands they're not negotiating you know in, in proper ways they're taking a check and <laughs> They're taking a check and doing the photo op and saying that they fought for something. And hey, look, there's a two million and there's a two million dollar thing that they put to this to social justice. Exactly who's getting that. Yeah. Did you see this Apple Watch, Mickey? No. Did you you haven't seen the red, black, and green Apple Watch? No, really. <laughs> this sounds like a, a skit on a rap album from like years ago. I am going to send Producer oh. Anthony, a link to put up when we really? air this podcast. Check out the red, black, and green um, Apple Watch. That's the that's the that's yeah. um, celebrating um, Pan Africanism, mm. and I'm sure it. diversities. <laughs> I'm sure diversities in there somewhere. Mm. And so there. All of these, um, uh, there's all of these companies and organizations, not companies, but organizations that um, apparently this Apple thing, I guess, funds, uh, you know, money is going to go to all of these, you know, the NW, you know, the usuals, NAACP, <laughs> you know, um, Black Lives Matter and, you know. Um, wow, I had not seen this. It's called the Black Unity Sport Band. <laughs> For the Apple Watch. And then you can't make this shit up, man. And then the knockoff names get even funnier. There's a Black Lives Matter silicone watch strap. There's a Juneteenth mm. canvas band. <laughs> These are all red, black, and green uh watch bands for the Apple Watch. These are just the knockoffs, the half price ones versus the uh actual Apple brand that's called Black Unity. Yeah. Well, so did it improve Unity? <laughs> <laughs> Had to ask, right? I mean, if it got the job done, I don't know what we're laughing at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it went a long way. Yeah, 
Well, how long ago did this thing come out? I have not seen this before. This has been out uh, recently. Recently. And there's already the knockoffs, huh? Couple more, you know that. You know that happens quick. Mm -hmm. You know that happens quick. The innovative pin and tuck closure is laser etched (laughs) with truth, power, and solidarity. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Now, is this something a white guy like me could buy? Why not? (laughs) Why not? Oh. Why not? Oh my God. Come on, let's 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 talk about the uh, organizations that um, Apple supports. Black Lives Matter Support Fund via the Tides Foundation, mm-hmm. European Network Against Racism, International Institute on Race, Equality, and Human okay. Rights, Leadership Conference Education Fund, the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Educational Fund. Mm-hmm. Souls grown deep. That sounds like a black organization. Um, yeah. And our producer Anthony just sent me a, a thing in the chat here that says all the hands and the pics for the Apple Watch are white. And he is <laughs> absolutely correct. If you look up images of this red, black, and green band, it's all white arms in the pictures. <laughs> but wait, though. Yeah. Where's the UNIA in that? <laughs> It's a good point. If we're inspired by the colors mm-hmm. of the Pan-African flag and pays homage to the rich condition, um, tradition mm-hmm. of craft, of quilt making, that's what it's. That's what they're play, paying um, homage to. Okay. The rich, rich tradition, tradition and craft of quilt making, mm-hmm. as well as inspired by the colors of the Pan-African flag. Is there a Pan-African organization in those group of organizations that I named? Not that I know of, right? A yeah. couple of them I wasn't familiar with. I've, I've never heard of a couple of them. I, I'm, I'm curious who's on the board of the European Network Against right. Racism. I'm sure they're all great organizations who do their part. I'm just curious to what that has to do with a red, black, and green watch. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was not aware of this thing. That's crazy. Oh man, it, you know it's deep, bro. <laughs> what is it? X Clan says on Funk and Lesson: the red, black, and green. So much more than red, black, and green, right? You ask what I mean. Yep. Mm. So apparently, these folks did not hear that song. Wait, I'm, did, there's the breakdown too. I can't. What was the breakdown where they gave us? You know, the red is for the blood. That's right. <laughs> that goes through. All of yeah, man. You you got to go back and listen to X Clan. No, I'm talking about this Apple Watch. On Ooh. on their description, they give us the breakdown. Wait, no way. <laughs> See, I thought that was an X Clan breakdown. <laughs> oh no. Ooh, no, no, no! Wow. I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere. I can't find it right now. <laughs> so it's not only this, they're invested in symbolism; they really break it down for you. Yeah, they they let us know. Mm. They let us know what it's about. Oh man, oh man. So yeah, it seems like we're we're focused on and visuals not be, and not symbolism. To be left, not to be left out. There's also a Pride Edition sport pen. So okay, okay. you know, we got all bases covered. Mm-hmm. Is that I guess the rainbow color? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. You better believe it. I mean, what happened to just good old watch bands to celebrate white people, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go back to the good old days. But oh, what, this is so what, messed up. 
what more do you want? Mm. We made a whole watch, man. That's right. And now all kinds of white people are buying it, apparently, <laughs> looking at the pictures you can find online. A symbolic band inspired by the Pan-African flag. Well, if it's about unity, why can't I wear it? Mm-hmm. Mm. And Green, just to think can... of how many people are out there making these arguments and asking these questions that I'm asking as jokes and they're asking seriously. Again, again, who are we targeting? Yeah. I don't, Apple didn't buy this and said like, oh, we're going to get a whole bunch of black people to, to <laughs> yeah. wear this watch. Oh. They said just what they, they doing, just what they knew they were going to do. There's going to be a whole heap of white kids who want to be down. We're gonna rock this. We're gonna get this watch, and you know whoever else does it is just is just it's just gonna make money. We know that. We know it. It's just gonna make money, and then they support sure. organizations dedicated to advancing racial equality and justice. I just want to know what that has to do with Pan Africanism. Well, it does say it was designed by members of the Black Creative Community, as you said, and allies throughout Apple. Do they do they work for Apple? <laughs> See, I can't tell if the allies are throughout Apple or if members of the black creative community I'm talking and about the members of the, the black yeah. creative community who just happen to be Apple employees. Yeah, they're just employed here at Apple. And, you know, that's that kind of phrasing. You don't really hear that applied to white people, right? Nobody has ever mm-hmm. said, well, so Mickey, as a member of the white creative community, mm-hmm. right? That would Nobody would ever approach me that way. So what what a strange like Kurt Vonnegut called these things grand falloons, these sort of meaningless associations. But mm. when he was talking about it, he was talking about things like, you know, the the National Democratic Party, like right. you know, organizations that don't really mean much, but that you include yourself in. In that case, in the case of this, I mean the black creative community, what does that mean? Mm. I mean, I do you know. do you get like a membership card? I don't know. I don't know that there is such a thing the way they're putting it. And like you said, I imagine it's like Apple employees, right? Mm. The Mm. black creative community is someone who's black and creative. Mm. Did you reach out to a specific community of black creatives? Or is it just the black creative Mm. community at large? And if you're a black creative at Apple and you said, ah, I don't really think this project's for me, were they are okay with not, that? And are you not a member of the black creative community then? <laughs> and did they fine. let you opt out? Mm-hmm. Or did they say, no, man, we really need your name on this. You know, mm-hmm. we gotta, we're, we're saying members of the black creative community, so we really need you in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, like I said, I'm trying to figure out Oh, but I don't think we need to figure it out. We know who's green lighting these things. We know. <laughs> and again, I feel bad you know. making light of it. I you don't. Know? <laughs> <laughs> That's good that you don't. <laughs> I feel bad again making light of it because like, oh man, at least it exists. I don't know. I don't know why I feel bad making light of it. I want to say it's because somebody feels like they're making an effort, even as misguided as that effort appears to you and me. But then we're back to intent. Um, 
they just wanted to sell some watch bands is the most likely conclusion. Isn't it always? Yeah. Man, that, that intentionality, that, that's, it'll get you every time. Huh? Isn't it always? Yeah. I mean, it's just so disjointed and so <clears throat> nothing about Marcus Garvey. Nothing in here? No, nothing? Not even, you're not even going to tell us the origin of the Pan-African flag? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you quote the uh, the construction blurb that they put on there? Made from three individual pieces of soft, high-performance fluorolastomer, which are assembled by hand and compression molded together as one. <laughs> as one. <laughs> <laughs> So there's even unity in these three pieces of high-performance fluorolastomer. Complemented by the dynamic unity watch face. Mm. I think their hands, the the unity watch face. That's it. Yeah. So Um, if Apple can compression mold three different colors of fluorolastomer together, surely society can bring our different communities together. mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need some compression molding equipment. I think so. Let's compress and mold each other as one. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so uh, before we get out of here, yeah. uh, briefly, I guess, we'll wrap this all up by <clears throat> being optimistic. Like we, <laughs> we're supposed to come in here and name um, one thing that's great in the culture or mm-hmm. in um, large society. Something we are... Um, looking forward to something that brings us some type of joy currently just something to be optimistic about in the Mm. culture you want to go first (laughs) i feel like i had one before this podcast started and now (laughs) we talked ourselves out of it (laughs) shit i'm back on my bullshit i don't think (laughs) See, I will say, I will say, because I, I, I got onto universities for their, their somewhat misguided diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Yeah. I don't trust those, but they are getting professors of color jobs that they may not have gotten if it weren't for these initiatives that are there right now. Okay. I don't expect these initiatives to be long-lived. I don't think this is a dedication that universities are going to sustain over time. I think it's going to be a blip on the radar and then they'll sort of fade out. But if that means a black professor gets a job, a Latinx professor gets a job right now when they may not have hired anybody otherwise, Mm -hmm. that's something. I dig that. I dig that. And I'm going to say that there's a the wave of successful because there's always been independent artists but successful independent artists um men and women taking their careers in their own hands managing mm-hmm. the marketing you know all or most aspects of their careers being under their umbrella, whether it's a, a group of them with their friends or however the case may be, just sidestepping the major label system is encouraging. And I encourage more of it. 
Absolutely. Now we got to figure out this streaming shit. And just but. like the three of us, um, Dave, me, and our producer, Anthony, we own this podcast. We do it ourselves. But, you know, if if the Unity Band from Apple Watch wants to sponsor us, if the Pearl Milling Company wants to sponsor us, I'm all about it. Cut the check. <laughs> I don't see that happening somehow. <clears throat> I don't think so. After this I don't episode. think Pepsi wants any parts of us. <laughs> All right. Well, there's some optimism to end with. Um, even if some of these initiatives are misguided, I think they can have a positive effect, even a small one sometimes. Those of us who know remain diligent. Do not let them off the hook with this bullshit. Yeah, there you go. That's what I say. There you go. Don't be happy with the the scraps that they throw. Don't right? be happy with the scraps. Yeah. Ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Make the right inquiries. You know, mm. figure out what's behind what, what their motivation is. What's like you said, Mickey, coming next? What? Mm. Okay, cool, cool. First step. What's next? That's a good question. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that'll wrap up this episode. Yeah, yeah, this was a good one, man. I I enjoyed this conversation. Cool, me too. So again, I'm Mickey Hess, one of your co-hosts, signing off. Yeah, David Shanks, um, aka Trom Diggs, signing off. Um, what? Damn! What? What? What are we signing off? And I usually say peace and love or peace, and love, black and black power, power. But I think we should say um, truth, power, and solidarity. <laughs> Compression molded together. <laughs> Compression molded together as one. As one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Right. Peace and love. See you next time.